This is episode 34 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are Why Every Prepper Should Have a GMRS License, What You Need to Know About Body Armor for Preppers, and Survival Uses for Alcohol, Vodka, Whiskey, and Rum. Hey, my name is Todd Sepulveda. I'm the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, this first article comes to us from Talon Survival. So TalonSurvival.com. And the title is Why Every Prepper Should Have a GMRS License. All right, here we go. For reasons other than being legal while talking on a radio, the General Mobile Radio Service, or GMRS, offers communication capabilities that are the closest you will get to ham radio capabilities without testing for an amateur radio license. The license process is straightforward and doesn't require any testing. Don't be a lazy prepper. Get your license. You can get a GMRS license for around 70 bucks. that is good for five years from the FCC. This license is good for you and your family. You don't need you do not need a license for each family member as you would with an amateur radio license. One license covers all of you regardless of location. So other than being legal, getting a license is either is easy and the reason to get one can be summed up in a few words. Repeaters, antennas, height, and power. Repeaters are where the true benefits of GMRS become evident and there are more than 1,100 GMRS repeaters currently registered in the United States. A repeater is a radio with an antenna at a high point much higher than yours such as a tower or mountain that repeats your audio when you transmit so it can be heard at a greater range. When you can talk on a repeater you can expand your communications from 5 to 50 miles. Average is usually about 10 to 20 miles. Most of the FRS GMRS radios you purchase in the store will not allow you to access the repeaters. A few handhelds we have found that do allow access the repeaters channels off the shelf include the Motorola Talkabout MS350R or the Midland MXT400 if you are looking for a mobile version with more power and better antenna. You can check to see if there is a GMRS repeater in your area at mygmrs.com. Internal antennas work on when work when you are outdoors but quickly lose performance when you enter buildings or vehicles. GMRS is the only public UHF band outside of amateur radio that will allow the ability to use external antennas. The ability to use an external antenna allows you to overcome the losses associated with being inside a structure. It also allows you to select antennas that provide better performance known as gain. The higher the gain of the antenna, the better the performance of both during transmit and receive. If you are in a vehicle caravan, for example, you can connect an external antenna and place it on the roof, allowing you to get the antenna outside of the metal vehicle compartment and therefore extending your range and reception. The same concept applies for buildings, basements, etc. External connections is a limited feature in most off-the-shelf GMRS radios. It is predominantly found in mobile units such as the Midland MXT-115 or Midland MXT-400. If you are looking for a handheld with the ability to connect an external antenna, the waterproof Cobra MRH-450 is a good option and it also includes the Marine Band. 
GMRS also allows the placement of an external antenna up to 20 feet above ground or the mounting structure. Being able to increase your height also allows for an increase in range and reception. This means you can hit a repeater from further away. GMRS allows for up to 50 watt output on most channels which is much higher than any other public band outside of amateur radio. More power means better clarity at further distances. Are you right on the edge of a repeater coverage area when on low power? Up your power and have a higher probability of getting your communications through. The easiest way to apply for your GMRS license is online via the FCC's website. The first step is to get your FRN number by clicking here. Once you have your FRN, you are ready to start your application. Go to the FCC ULS site by clicking here, then start your application by clicking the Login button under Online Filing. You will be applying for an application under the radio service ZA, General Mobile Radio Service. Once you have your FRN, check out the, our video below on how to apply for your license in under 10 minutes. So there's a little video there you'll want to check out. Note on paper filing. Although you can file for a license via mail using the FCC Form 159 and Form 605, we highly recommend you file electronically so you can easily track the status of your license. All paper forms can be found on the FCC form page. There are a number of advantages that GMRS brings to the table to meet your communication needs. Obtaining a license keeps you legal, covers your whole family, and allows you to train day to day to prepare. Don't wait until the communication systems are down to learn how they work. And then there's another, uh, there's another little sentence here. Uh, you can also find out about more radio bands available without a license in our, Erica, in, in our, artic, in our article, Five Communication Options Every Prepper Should Know. So there is a comment and somebody said, you know, hey, why even bother with a license? Because when, you know, it all hits the fan, no one's going to be coming to check your license. And I think uh, the author does a good job of explaining uh, training and preparing. Because you don't want, you know, like let's say you have a radio and uh, the poop hits the fan. And you go ahead and bring your radio out. You don't know how to use it. You never connected it. You don't know what, what you know, you, you don't have a good feel for it. So that's one of the recommendations there. So there are links there that you can go ahead and check out. And also, I believe a Baofeng, the Baofeng radios, ham radios, handheld radios, uh, also carry the G GMRS uh, uh, channels as well. And so uh, you can look into that. But definitely something, you should have... Um, you should have knowledge of radios. I mean, it's just that's a game changer when uh, you don't have access to any information, but uh, ham radio uh, operators are out there providing information. And then if you can uh, connect your, uh, your small mobile radio to an outside antenna somehow, man, that is, that's very powerful. So again, that's a game changer. And uh, you know, you'll, you, if you are in a situation where things have gone downhill, you, you are going to want to know what's going on in the world. All right, so a uh, good article. Let's go ahead and go on to our next one. Um, and, and I just want to point out uh, this article that I'm about to read, and this comes from planandprepared.com. Uh, planandprepared.com. This is one of the best ones on uh, body armor that I've read in a long time. And so it kind of lays it out. Uh, for a while there, it seemed like there was, you know, quite a few articles on body armor, but this is a good one, lays it out, 
and uh, gives you some good information. So let's go ahead and, and read this one. And even if you don't think you're in the market for body armor, uh, I, I think you know having it is again. I'm, I'm saying game changer a lot today. Uh, it, it is a, a force multiplier, and so something that if you can get some, you should uh, look into getting some. So let's go ahead and read this one. What you need to know about body armor for preppers. Upon occasion, I have received questions asking about body armor for an SHTF scenario. That got me to thinking that the topic of body armor might make an interesting article for the site. So I decided that I would break down the different types of body armor, bullet resistant, and their ratings. I also thought I'd give a little insight into my thoughts on having some as a prepper. Body armor is rated based upon its effectiveness against different types of ammo. These ratings are compiled by the NIJ or the National Institute of Justice. The NIJ frequently tests armor against the type of rounds listed below. These standards are the only nationally accepted standards for body armor worn by law enforcement. For this reason, I am most familiar with them and will be using them in this article. There are a few things that you should be aware of when it comes to the NIJ standard. I will go into this in more detail in just a moment. Bullet-resistant armor breaks down into five categories according to the NIJ. Level 2A, designed to stop 9mm 124 grain FMJ at a velocity of 1,225 FPS and 40 Smith & Wesson 180 grain FMJ at a velocity up to 1,155 FPS. Level 2, designed to stop 9mm up to and including from a sub-gun, and 357 mag 158 grain JSP at a velocity velocity up to 1340 FPS. Level 3A designed to stop 357 uh, SIG 125 FMJ at a velocity up to 1410 FPS and 44 mag 240 grain at a velocity up to 1340 FPS. Level 3 designed to stop 7.62mm FMJ lead core rifle ammunition hard armor, hard armor sorry. level 4 designed to stop 30 cal steel core armor piercing rifle ammunition hard armor. This armor is rated to not only stop the type of rounds listed with it but also keep the back face deformation of those rounds to a minimum. This means that the blunt force trauma from being hit by a bullet will not cause serious injury. This isn't to say that it would not hurt or even break a few ribs should you be shot wearing one. Rather, it would help prevent internal bleeding from organs due to the force of the impact. For the record, not all the armor ratings are for soft body armor. Level 3 and 4 are hard plate armor as noted above. See the picture below. Also, Level 1 body armor is no longer manufactured and as such is not discussed here. Keep in mind that the NIJ ratings are tested against a single round. That means that the ratings do not account for the possibility of multiple hits. These ratings are test against the specific round listed. For example, a level 3A vest will stop a 44 mag round that is 240 grain, but against a 44 mag 305 grain fired from a longer barreled firearm, the level 3A vest may or may not stop it. The NIJ does not use a 305 grain 44 mag round in its test. 
Finally, be aware that there are no regulations on what body armor manufacturers can claim their armor stops. So companies can claim that the, their armor is above NIJ standards, but there is no way to know for sure. NIJ tests commercially available armor for their standards, but not above or beyond what was previously talked about. Hence, I recommend getting your body armor from a reputable manufacturer. I mentioned above that level 3 and 4 are hard plate armor. These plates are designed to stop not just handgun ammo, but also rounds fired from various rifles. These are th there are three different types of plate armor, ceramic, steel, and polyethylene. The pick on the right is of ceramic plates. The pick below is a vest made of steel plates. Ceramic plates have been around for quite a while and are excellent at stopping rifle rounds. However, ceramic plates begin to break down after being hit and therefore are not great at stopping multiple rounds. They are also heavy. The ceramic plate I have in front of my vest weighs 7 pounds 8 ounces. They also must be handled with care. Dropping one can cause the plate to begin to break, making it much less effective against incoming rounds. Polyethylene plates weigh less than ceramic and are designed to stop multiple rounds, but these plates can get pretty pricey. Steel plates are also out there. They are not as expensive as polyethylene, but are heavy, almost 10 pounds for a 10 by 12 sheet. Keep in mind that plates typically come in 10 by 12 inch size, so while they are designed to stop all kinds of rounds, they only offer protection in that area. Soft body armor can wrap around your torso and can offer protection to more of your body. Both soft armor and plate armor must be worn inside a carrier. Most soft body armor comes in a cotton or polyester carrier with Velcro straps. This also, this, sorry, this allows the armor to be worn under clothing. See the pick on the left. Clearly, you can see the body armor on underneath their uniforms. However, there are also external carriers as well. The three vests in the top pick are all external carriers. These external carriers, carriers can be full carriers, which will carry carry soft body armor, plates, or both. There are also plate carriers which hold just the hard plate armor. See the below pick. Carriers can get rather pricey, but as always, you get what you pay for. Personally, I have only external carriers, see the top pick, and all three are full carriers. I'll go into more detail on this in a moment. When looking for external carriers, multi-stitching on seams and attachments points are a must. It needs to be adjustable, typically with Velcro. Avoid anything with elastic. This stuff can wear down over time. Many quality carriers have pockets in them designed to allow you to carry plates, including trauma plates, in addition to the soft armor. Keep in mind that carriers themselves offer no protection. They are designed solely to carry the armor, so a carrier without armor is basically a shirt. Trauma plates are typically 5 by 7 inch small plates that fit over your soft body armor. These plates are used to help add an extra layer of protection to the vital organs of the wearer. They help to absorb the energy from the impact of a round. These are different from the plate armor so they are designed to be used in conjunction with soft body armor. These typically slide into the front of the carrier on top of the soft armor. Most carriers will have a pocket specifically for these. Adding soft hard trauma plates will add additional higher protection levels and reduce possible bullet fragment ricochets. 
Some trauma plates are designed specifically to reduce the amount of blunt force trauma from a round impact and not necessarily to increase the level rating. In my level 2 vest shown on the right, I have two 5x7 trauma plates, one hard and one soft. Soft body armor can be seriously degraded by things such as heat, moisture, and UV light, so be sure to store it with this in mind. Also, make sure your carrier is moisture resistant if you think you might be out in things like rain or snow. Soft body armor also has an expiration date. This is typically five years from the date of manufacture. However, the expiration date on soft body armor doesn't mean a lot. Soft body armor is not like milk and will suddenly cease to function a few days after the five year mark. Tests have been conducted on armor made back in the 1980s and 1990s. It still stopped the intended round. Just be aware that with time, the soft armor will slowly lose some of its protective capabilities. So for this reason, I would personally avoid purchasing used armor. Obviously, the higher the rating, the more protective the armor is. But also, keep in mind that the more protective the armor is, the heavier and thicker it is as well. It will be harder to conceal. And finally, body armor is designed to stop bullets, but it is not always foolproof. On occasion, it might fail. You might be shot with something stronger than the body armor was designed for. Remember my example of different 44 mag rounds? Just remember that body armor is not Superman's cape and does not make you Iron Man. Before we go any further, be aware about the laws in your area concerning body armor. For example, convicted felons are not allowed to own body armor. For more info on body armor laws in your state, click here. With that disclaimer out of the way, let's jump in on whether you need body armor or not. When it comes to purchasing body armor from a preparedness standpoint, there are several factors that you need to consider. The first is a cost versus need ratio. Body armor can get pretty expensive. Plate armor can be several hundred dollars without the carrier and soft body armor can be even more. When you also stop and realize that the vast majority of emergencies won't require body armor, then it stands to reason that other preps are more, much more likely to be needed and should take a priority. You won't need body armor for a house fire or a tornado, an earthquake, etc. In reality, body armor probably won't be needed except in a time of raw or without rule of law type event, and the likelihood of that is slim. Now, that is not to say that you should not have body armor if you feel like that should be a part of your preps. What I'm saying, as I always do, is to prepare for the most likely events first. Don't spend several hundred dollars on armor when you do not have enough food, water, medical supplies, etc. already gathered and ready to go. I'm going to just aim in that, uh, that little uh, sentence there. Alright, next as you, as you purchase armor to a... Next, are you purchasing armor for a potential raw or long-term grid-down scenario? If so, keep in mind that by wearing body armor or other than the very thin concealable ones, you could end up attracting more attention than you want. I talk about giving away clue indicators in my article on OPSEC. By wearing visible body armor, you are telling other people that you have supplies. Let's face it, anyone wearing body armor in a serious SHTF event is going to have a lot more gear and supplies than just the armor, and the bad guys know this. They would quickly realize that you have other things that they want and need. Maybe you feel you need concealable armor because you could be in potentially dangerous areas. Just remember that the stronger the armor, the thicker and heavier it is. This means that you will be trading some protection for the ability to conceal it. So while level 2A armor is easier to conceal, 
that say level 3A is it is not going to offer the same amount of protection. Even when concealable armor with concealable armor, you sometimes run the risk of imprinting, meaning it is seen through your clothing. This is especially true when you do things like sit down, bend over, etc. Soft body armor is generally custom fit, but it still will move around when you are physically active. Many a cop can tell you about their soft body armor pinching or moving around their torso when they are sitting. This can lead to imprinting. Wearing body armor is not comfortable. That's not to say that it is terrible, but a silk shirt, it is not. It can get hot, and, it, and if the carriers are not washed or taken care of, they can begin to smell. Body armor is also a bit cumbersome. You are not going to have the full range of motion you would if you were not wearing it nor are you going to be able to move as fast. This is especially true when you have on plate armor. For this reason, we practice shooting with our body armor on. If you have body armor, I strongly encourage you to practice shooting with it on. I will cha change your shooting stance a little. Uh, sorry, it will change your shooting stance a little. It might also cause you to have to adjust your stock on a long gun. I have to shorten my AR stock by about a half inch because the added thickness of armor changes how I mount my rifle shotgun to my shoulder. Needless to say, if you have not adjusted your shooting and posture for this, your armor may not be of much use in a gunfight. It can also restrict your movement a little. You are not going to run as fast wearing an extra several pounds around your torso. It can also constrict your breathing a little, meaning it takes a bit longer to catch your breath after hard physical exertion. When it comes to body armor for preppers, if you have the available money and want to purchase some for a roll event and just keep it in your gun safe or closet, then by all means go for it. I recommend doing your homework and finding a reputable dealer. Just be aware that an SHTF scenario wearing body armor could attract unwanted attention. But if money is tight, I would caution you to concentrate on more pressing needs like food, water storage, medical gear, communications, etc. You are more likely to need these types of supplies in the vast majority of emergencies. Stay safe out there. All right. So good article by Planned and Prepared. Uh, good information that uh, you would need to know if you're considering uh, body armor. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to our last article. This one comes to us from Survival Sullivan. And again, survivalsullivan.com. And again, the article is entitled Survival Uses for Alcohol, Vodka, Whiskey, and Rum. When writing articles about potential survival situations like SHTF or Teotihuacan, we need to consider the many uses of the items we will have on hand. So many things have multiple or multitude of uses. It's a good idea to get acquainted with them so we can prep our stockpile accordingly. Liquor, potent alcohols, sweet wines, spicy whiskeys, smoky bourbons, and flavored rums have been around a long time. From prohibition to wine clubs, the different forms of alcohol will always have its fans and will always be around. Laws or not, it will be sought after. Aside from the use as a relaxant, alcohol in its many forms has many uses and health benefits. As to its high versatility like medical qualities, survival uses, and as a household disinfectant, any type of alcohol will be worth its weight many times over as a highly desired commodity and sought after bartering tool. Consider stocking as much as you can in any prepping stockpile. Remember that the higher the alcohol content, the longer it can last. 
Wines and lower alcohol percentages based liquor can go bad after being exposed to air or when the contents get low in the bottle. General uses with any alcoholic spirits. Use alcohol to start fire. Fire is crucial for life. Warmth, cook, fires, food preparations, or even when burning sanitation, you need fire for many survival, self-sufficient living, or SHTF situations. An easy way to start a fire is by using any liquor as it can be ignited rather easily. Just dab some fabric in your alcohol and light. The higher the alcohol content, the easier it will ignite. Proofs of 80 or higher should do very well with even the toughest conditions. Here's a video showing how to start a fire with whiskey. I know a lot of people are going to be like, what in the wire are you going to waste that on there? But I don't know. There might be some people that are willing to do that. Use liquor as a medical disinfectant. In a pinch, when you need to disinfect a wound or sterilize medical supplies, alcohol will kill bacteria and you can even use it to flush an area before stitches, removing debris after an animal bite, etc. Relaxation tonic. When using it for any medical needs as above, well, you can relax the muscles and anxiety a bit by using it for its original purposes. A few drinks can do wonders to ease tension. Cold medicine mix. Any alcohol with a few teaspoons of honey or molasses and you will have a nice sore throat reliever. The liquor will burn away any phlegm so it is a nice soothing way to breathe free when you are congested. It is a proven vasodilator so it can open the lungs up and allow for some much needed oxygen. This can be invaluable in the bush or in a survival situation as a simple cold can turn into congestion and then pneumonia in a matter of days. Especially when you are stressed and your immune system is paying the price, there can be something to be said for its general anxiety reducer as it's a natural analytic. Sorry about that one. Ice pack. As alcohol doesn't freeze, you can fill a Ziploc with it and chill it for a soothing ice pack. This will help reduce inflammation, provide headaches, relief, and ease tired and cramped muscles back into top shape. Use alcohol as a deodorant. As alcohol kills the bacteria that causes unpleasant smells, it can be used as a mouthwash, killer of jock itch, deodorant, and a destroyer of athlete's foot. Liquor kills odors. Speaking of killing bacteria, use liquor to kill household mold and kitchen fungi and mist it on carpets or in shoes to freshen the smell. As mold can be dangerous and cause many respiratory problems, this can be very beneficial when getting getting camping materials like tents and sleeping bags ready to use. A sleepy time drink. The deep sleep induced by alcohol typically skips the first stage, REM, and goes straight into the deeper sleep. Use any liquor to lessen sleeplessness and get a good night's rest. Many times when you are too fatigued, too anxious from stress, or when you have gone too long without sleeping a sleeping period for more than a few hours, say you are on the move, it is ironic as it's very hard to fall asleep. Alcohol can help in this situation. It is safe for occasional use and that is how it was intended to be consumed. Administer it as a remedy when needed. Just be mindful it doesn't develop into a habit that the liquor is needed to get any sleep. Alcohol is a great solvent too. If you have an engine that needs clean electronic components or if you need to dissolve rust and wipe it away, liquor is good for this. Any liquor that has sugar in it, like whiskey, I would avoid using for this purpose as it may leave sticky residue behind. 
Whiskey also has a smoky color, so the clear liquids would be best for this. Pure grain or Everclear would be good for a solvent. They are pretty strong and could be substituted for anything turpentine could be used for. Treating swimmer's ear. With excellent drying properties and a high antiseptic concentration, alcohol can take the place of running alcohol when treating ears after swimming to keep them water free. You may want to do this after swimming in or being exposed to any natural water sources or freestanding water. It will dry out the ear while killing any bacteria or microorganisms that hitch to ride hoping for a new home. Here is a good video showing a multitude of liquor for prepping. Vodka. Gun cleaner. Vodka can take the place of rubbing alcohol when cleaning firearms and you need to strip gunk and oil from them. Bushcraft oral care. Vodka can be used to clean mouth infections, lacerations, or disinfect abscesses. If you have an aching tooth, you can apply vodka-soaked cotton balls and it should ease up. Spray vodka to repel insects. Use a spray bottle with vodka and 15% of any essential oil to make a bug repellent spritz. With all the diseases carried by mosquitoes, this is a quick fix if you forgot your can of bug spray. This can be a lifesaver, literally. If a bio-attack pandemic or epidemic creates super strains of bugs, that insect can carry by, that can carry by air and pass on to you. Apply vodka to soothe insect bites. Vodka will dry up the venom and fix the weeping from swollen bites with a few applications. Use vodka to dry up seeping poison ivy uh, seeping poisoning ivy rashes. Just a few dabs with a Q-tip and the open sores will start shriveling up overnight. Repeat hourly if you can. All right, so you're gonna take, you're gonna forget all your bug spray, but you're gonna take vodka. So, <laughs> and I'm sure there's people that do that. But uh, so the interesting, interesting stuff there, right? Okay, let's continue on. Whiskey, bourbon, and rum. Whiskey and bur whiskey and bourbon whiskey have sugar and colorings in them, as do many types of rum. They will do all of the above, but I would only use them or colored liquors if it's all you have available or an absolute must. The darker the liquid, the more tannins and natural colorings, and usually sugar, will be in it. It can stain much like a tea color, leave a dark residue behind, or leave a tacky substance that can attract dirt and grit. I wouldn't use colored and sweet liquors for topical medicine, medical uses either unless it's a last resort. If you add sugar and starch to wounds or rashes, the microbes can feed on it and the growth of existing bacterial colonies can explode. The yeast can be introduced and then you have added a topical yeast infection. Adding yeast into lacerations or punctures can be deadly as it would cause and feed an infection. If you must use this type of alcohol, pick the highest proof you have access to. You can make do with colored and sweet liquors in a survival situation if you have no alternatives. It's better than dying. You will just need to use them as temporary fix until you can get to adequate care and treatment. With all that being said, whiskey does have uses besides drinking and fun times with survival situations. Whiskey and bourbon can act as a blood thinner and with its natural tannins has a few medical benefits that are scientifically proven to have merit. The pro they promote healthy cholesterol reduce the de development of dementia. They can help prevent a stroke by vacillation. They can help lessen the forming of DVT or deep vein th thrombosis and blood clots. They have antioxidants from the tannins and vanillins from the burials, barrels that are, that are aged in. Uh, so they can help reduce the growth of cancerous cells. 
wrapping it up. As you can see, there is much to be said for stockpiling a variety of alcohol. When you're preparing a space for them in your stockpile, keep them out of the sun and in a cooler place if you can. It would be better to purchase any alcohol in glass bottles over the plastic ones when thinking of long-term storage and store them upright. All right, so a uh, good article. A lot of these uses you're gonna you're not gonna use alcohol for. I mean, you're gonna use alcohol if it's a last you know last ditch uh, scenario and you have no other choices. Um, more than likely, if we are in a situation uh, where you're using alcohol, uh, you're probably gonna be drinking it. You're gonna be using it for barter. And I think the medical uses are probably one of the biggest ones. Those are the biggest things that you're going to do. Um, they didn't really cover uh, making uh, like you know a tonic or an herbal herbal tonic or, or anything like that. Uh, you know I've, I've done that before and making some um, with with vodka and it does work out. And so uh, I think the medical purposes are going to be the most most important to to gather from this article. But it's good to know that you can do all those other things as well. And uh, you know I did learn some things about the the darker colored uh, alcohol as well. I didn't know some of those things and that it had more sugar than all the other stuff. So all right, man, that's uh, that's good. So good articles. Remember to go check out uh, all the articles on. Uh, their websites because there's always like videos and links that you don't get to experience when you're just listening to it here. And so I will link to all these articles on episode 34 at the Prepper website podcast and you can go link to them and check them out. Hey, uh, before I go, I want to remind you, uh, we did a the, the podcast uh, yesterday or yes, yesterday, uh, I released uh, the podcast had an interview with Gay uh, Levy and George you're of uh, urbansurvival.com and then backdoorsurvival.com. You know Gay. I talk about Gay uh, a lot and read a lot of her articles. They offered a free book. There are 11, uh, 11 steps um, to strategic living. They offered that free, and that's going to be free for five days. So if you're listening to this and uh, it is uh, Thursday, uh, April 6th, well, you're still good. If you're listening to this in the future, and it's way past April 6, 2017, then you missed it. But uh, it's still a good book. You still want to go do it. Go check it out. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. So you can go to Amazon and download this free Kindle Kindle book. Uh, it is a good book. There's a lot of good stuff in there. If you haven't listened to yesterday's podcast, you can go check that out and uh, you know hear from Gay and George and get some information there too. All right. I also have a, a neat announcement for uh, tomorrow, I'm looking forward to kind of uh, make this announcement. So I'm just kind of putting that out there and uh, putting that in your ear. So be on the lookout uh, for tomorrow's podcast. Um, uh, little announcement there that uh, I've been looking forward to, been working on for a little bit. All right. So uh, with that, that's it for episode 34. Thanks so much for listening. If you get a chance, come by the website and leave me a comment in the in the comment section or hit me up on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. I always love to hear from you and uh, from the listeners and those that hit PrepperWebsite.com. So, yeah, if you uh, have listened to the podcast and you're still looking for more preparedness uh, content, go check out PrepperWebsite.com. We link to uh, articles there daily, good articles, up-to-date articles, uh, recent ones that have been released. Uh, we also have a lot of other stuff, top right-hand corner, uh, you know, alternate news and frugal living and DIY 
pages that you can go check out and kind of get lost in. So if you're looking for more uh, content, we got plenty of it for you. All right. So again, uh, thanks so much for listening. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.